space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back to back to business as usual this week. We we had a bit of fun last week with Devil's Revenge. Um, we can only apologise for those of you that um, <laughs> that have listened through all of. To be that fair, one. it's our most. Wo- it's actually our most watched video so far on YouTube. There we go. There we go. We went, on, went on YouTube, so maybe this is the key. We need to focus on Shatner films, but um, <laughs> no. we're um, we're back to we're doing a TNG episode, and we're doing a, a DS Nine carrying on the Dominion War this week. So, oh, the preamble to the Dominion War. Our version of the Dominion War. Is a bit more we're, in depth. We're, we're doing the in depth ver- version. Yeah. So you've got some <laughs> some interesting choices to look forward to yeah. there. But if honestly, we're... we're not doing it just to review every single DS Nine episode that we possibly can. No, it's not. It's not far off though. That's that's the only problem. Is <laughs> by the time we finish this, we'll have done so many of them that it's pretty much just going to be the, the bad ones that we have to go back to. We're going to have to do like a rubbish <laughs> DS Nine season just to to cover the ones we've missed. Anyway, before we get into that, though, uh, Trek news this week, Elliot. This is new to me. You've yeah, told we, me we've got Trek news, and I didn't yeah, realise we had. Yeah, so. well, we've actually got a couple of things. Like, the first one is um, just that Discovery's been delayed. Right. And it's due to uh, somebody's tested positive in production crew for COVID, so they've been put all in lockdown for two weeks. That makes sense. Strange New Worlds is fine because it's filmed in a separate city. Right. So the, the crews don't actually mingle. Okay. But Discovery is, is being put on, is going to be a bit later than we thought. Okay. Due to that. Well, and they've done the sensible thing. Someone's tested positive and they've played safe with everyone. Absolutely. Your people, that's, which that's the way. It's what you hope they do. That's the way it needs to be, but, I mean. Uh, but then we have uh, two massive pieces of news about Picard. Yeah. Um, jo- John Delancey has been tweeting again. Oh yeah. And he's been t- and he's been tweeting. Um, he's pretty much recorded the first two episodes. Oh, so he's in more than one. Yeah. Well, he's definitely in the first two. Right. Um, he hasn't shaved. He hasn't shaved his beard, so he's still got oh. how we used to seeing him now. He's still got his goatee. And he's saying that he's um, like so far he's just been filming pretty much with Picard, yeah. which has been a blast. But he's looking forward to filming with the other cast members, mm-hmm. which sort of tells us, oh well, it's going to be later episodes as well. Yeah, so it looks like so it looks was... like we uh, it looks like it's going to be John Delancey a lot through this season, not just sort of like a guest appearance. Well, that's good. I mean, almost going to be almost. It sounds like he's almost going to be a regular cast member. I'd be up for that, definitely. Yeah. And But then there was another massive one and it was literal and it's literally um just somebody walking through LA mm. has caught um seven of nine and um oh what's she called? Rio Rafi. Rios. Rios, sorry. 
Raffi. Uh, no, Raffi, sorry. Raffi. And they were on a bus, hmm. but it's a metro bus that's been made to look like it's from the future, All including right. the advertisement on the outside of it. So it looks like it's maybe sort of like 50 years in the future from now. Ooh, so maybe the... <laughs> which sort of, which is sort of, um, whoa, time travel. Yeah, well, it was implied that it were going to be time travel, wasn't it? That um... Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just this guy literally walking through LA has seen it, and he's got, he's managed to get a couple of snaps of them through a window, sat on the bus, right. being filmed, but then he's got some shots of the outside of the bus... <laughs> Awesome. Which shows like, like you know how buses have big adverts on the side. Yeah, and it has this huge advert on the side, but it's uh, advertising like space trips or something. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> Which... <laughs> I'll have to so... for that. I managed to miss all of that somehow. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, no, I've, I've been, I've obviously, we, I'll tell you what we've been doing, we've been catching up on Line of Duty, because everyone talks about Line of Duty like it's... Oh, don't talk about yeah. it, because I've not watched the latest season yet, it's in my yeah, to-get-to list. It, I'm going to put it out there, I think it's alright, like, I, I don't get this thing that everybody's like, oh, it's the great, you know, it's so, it, it's fine... It's entertaining, it's good, I'd, I'd go as far as good, but I, I don't get why there's this huge big thing about, oh, you know, it's such brilliant drama and blah, blah. Have you ever watched 24? Like, or Homeland? Like, you know, the, anyway, there we go, that's just my, but we've probably just lost loads of listeners now, so well, like, no. I, I really enjoy like in the... I really enjoy Line of Duty. I just I haven't got round to watching it. The I just don't yet. think it's you know, all it's cracked up to be. Anyway, let's and still being locked in at home. Nobody, I'm not seeing anybody for them to to tell me about it. No, so I can do it. this it's, with TV at the moment. It's good for avoiding spoilers, definitely. Um, <laughs> so yes, let's go to Next Generation then. So we're sticking with the holodeck theme. And um, we've decided yeah. to look at one of the one of the beloved guest stars from the TNG era. It's the first appearance of Barclay in season three's Hollow Pursuit. And just before we go into this episode, when I was flicking through Netflix to find this one, it makes you realise what a jump in quality there was between season two and season three of TNG. Like, you flick through season three and you're like pretty, I would say over half of them are up there as like, you know, classic or near classic TNG episodes. And season one and two, yeah, not I think, so much. I think, I think you've got to be fair because like season two was a massive improvement on season one because you have things like Measure of a Man in season yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, which is arguably Q2. one of TNG's best episodes. Yeah, and Q Who, which is a really good one. Yeah. Um, so, but still. But I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. It's sort of like season one is season one. If it was made now, the show would be cancelled. Oh, no question. But um, season two was an improvement. But season three, you can see. Yeah, they, that there was just it, better episodes on a regular basis. Definitely, and this is a good one as well. So. We start off then, and we're, we're first introduced to Barclay, played by Dwight Schultz, and he's channeling a bit of a bit of his A-team persona, like he, he's howling Mad Murdoch. There's, 
there's bits of it in there. I mean, it's obviously very different, but you can see, you can definitely see the lineage between those roles. And we don't know that this is a, a holodeck program to start with. So all of a sudden we've got this new character who's been really suave and everything and he, he's giving Johnny yeah, he's, some he's grief. he's forwards and you've, you've got Gaiden giving him the bottle of, I assume it's whiskey, and yeah. him, I don't want no trouble from you tonight. Yeah, <laughs> so he's got this thing of, you know, every, the men want to be him and the women want to be with him and he's got a reputation and all of this stuff. And it chins Riker, and obviously it turns out it's all a holodeck program. So it's a good character introduction. So it's something we've seen people playing around with the holodeck and acting out fantasies and everything. But I think this is the first yeah, time it, where we not... see them, where we where we see them sort of yeah, interacting like... with people they know. Yeah, it's sort of like we've seen them before and they're going back and doing historical dramas or literature. Or... Yeah, exactly. Playing Sherlock Holmes or whatever it is. But this is this is a guy... Dixon who... of Doc Green. Not, not Dixon of Doc Green. Uh, Dixon Hill. Dixon Hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not far away. That's, that's a good... Yeah, anyone who's listening not from England and not over a certain age, you're probably going to have to Google Dixon of Doc Green. But... Um, <laughs> Classic, though. <laughs> classic. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, we're getting the idea of this guy. He's a little bit different to your conventional Starfleet guy. He's not as assured of himself as the characters that we know. He's, um, we're going to explore this as the episode goes on, but it's a good introduction to him, and it's interesting. And then it goes straight into... Geordie saying, like, he can't believe this guy even got through the academy. And there's a lot of of negativity, really. Yeah, it's always late and it doesn't doesn't interact with anyone. And then it comes up that he called... That he's got, they've given him a nickname of Broccoli. Yeah, and they say Wesley came up with that. Wesley, of all people, he's throwing around nicknames. I I was thinking about this and like so we've got to assume that Reg Barkley hasn't been on the Enterprise long because we've not seen him. Yeah, previously. we know he's transferred in. Yeah, and, uh, and the talk about him being transferred in, and it's not it's not mixing well with with like the new mm-hmm. crew, but they've already given him a nickname and it's already going through the officers are calling him that. <laughs> if he's overheard that, what is being called, well, no wonder he don't want to know these yeah, people. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. Twat, and he's acting it out in the holodeck, what he wants to do to yeah, them. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And it, what's interesting about this one is when you look at it from now, people have talked about, you know, it, it's indicative of how... Star Trek treats people with mental health problems or with social anxiety issues or whatever. And there's a lot of some of our some of our favorite YouTubers, and I say favorite with heavy inverted commas, have held this <laughs> up as kind of a stick to beat the new Star Trek with. Like they look at the episode The Trouble with Edward, uh the you know, the short track. And they say, well, look at the way the captain treats someone who's got problems in that compared to how they treat Barclay here. And it's like, well, 
actually, it's not that different, really. They might reach a better conclusion in this one. But they start off in a really negative way. You know, to say we're meant to be incredibly enlightened. Yeah, you've got you've got the head of engineering who's Barclays boss. Yeah. And the first officer. Yeah. Talking about how, how rubbish he is, that he, he's always on report. Yeah. And uh, spreading gossip about him with his nickname. Yeah, and it, and it's like, well, hang on, not socialising is not a bad thing. Sure, you know, you, these are ships that have got people from all sorts of different species. Vulcans aren't very sociable, you know. Yeah. That's that's just uh, to pick let's, one. Let's be let's be honest. Um, over last year and a bit, we've all got quite good at not being very <laughs> yeah, <social>. absolutely. <laughs> So I'm not sure that this episode is a, a paragon of how to treat people. And I think that if we did do this seriously, like, you know, the trouble with Edward, yes, okay, if you want to poke holes at it and say it's problematic in its treatment and of someone, blah, 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 you could do. But what you have to remember is the trouble with Edward well, is a joke. It's it's a comedy. It, it was made as a joke. Yeah. It was made as a comedy episode. Exactly. It's got tribal serials in it. You know, we are not meant to take that episode seriously, whereas (laughs) this episode, we kind of are. There's humour in the episode, but the episode itself is still meant to be taken as seriously as any other one. It's just that there's more humorous scenarios in it. So... Um, and this carries on with the treatment of Barkley, like Geordie bollocks him when he turns up late, and then Riker bollocks him as well. Uh, you know, we've seen this, you know, I don't know where you've come from, but we don't stand for this on the Enterprise. And Yeah, I'm fed up of seeing your name on report. And... Yeah, and I suppose there is something to that, because as we've seen from Lower Decks... It's not that every ship in the Federation isn't the same. You know, people do have different... <laughs> different leadership styles and different degrees of formality and everything. But I feel like they've been a bit overly yeah. harsh with him. Like, it's not until... Well, it, it is also the flagship of the Federation as True. well, isn't it? The... So, yeah, they want to lead by example. But I feel like it's not until much, much, much later in the episode when Guinan has a word with Geordi that they start actually treating him maybe the way they should have done from the start rather than taking yeah. this negative approach to it. It's like, well, why didn't you try being his friend? And he's like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, well, did you not yeah. think that might... Be friend- like, have, you, have you tried being friendly towards the guy? Yeah, exactly. No one, and- just, came up, no one just came up with a nickname to call him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he does mess up a bit So they've got that grav trolley and that crashes and... He's like, oh, well, I don't know why it did that. And well, at the at the time you think, oh, that's pretty bad. But when you look back at when you look to the end of the episode, mm. it was right. The the grab troller should have been working. He did his job right. That's true. He's fixed yeah. it, and it and it should actually be working. It's not his fault. Like, um, and it was before he even got there that O'Brien let the bloody chemical out that was <laughs> yeah. destroying everything and causing the problems. <laughs> Very true. So, it, yeah, so is it not here that it gets out then? It's, it had already got out before yeah, that. But it, it, yeah, because um, right when you first see it, there's O'Brien and the other 
The other fellow, yeah. Engineer, yellow shirt in the background. And there's one of the canisters that's leaking. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Already in the go, you need you better get rid of that um, if it's got a leak. Yeah. So but the damage is already that's but true. that's where the damage starts. It is, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't start it's already done before Barkley arrives on the scene. Very true. So yeah, because the the actual plot, if you like, of this episode, uh, obviously most of it's a character episode for Barkley, but the actual plot, there's not much to it. There's something's got out. O'Brien and the other fella are unknowingly spreading it around, and it causes some problems. And that that's it, really. There's nothing. Yeah, it. It's not it's huge. Some, it, it's some compound that, because they stopped using it a hundred years ago in the that's Federation, it. yeah, they and they've moved on. It it now attacks all Federation technology. Yeah, and it's oh. it's kind. Of, I suppose it's kind of like something like asbestos, like that we used to put asbestos everywhere, and then we realised right, we better not do yeah. that, and then we stop using I, it. I wouldn't. I'm I'm thinking like when this came out, it's probably around the time when all the things about asbestos were. It probably a big is thing. actually, yeah. Um, well, this be about eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah, and I remember people talking about it when yeah. I were at school. So yeah, it's probably not far yeah, off. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's probably sort of about it's it's related to things that had been happening at the time that. Yeah. Chemicals we used to use are suddenly really dangerous. And... Yeah, exactly. So we get then, Picard comes into the whole Barclay situation, and Picard, being awesome and being Picard, he's like, right, you need to stop calling him Broccoli, and you need to try harder to get to know him. And it's like, you shouldn't yeah, need the captain. Part of your team. <laughs> you shouldn't need the captain to tell you to do this, but. Riker should have been. When. When Georgie said it, kept putting it on report to Riker, Riker should have picked yeah, it up. Yeah, of course it. he should. Riker's meant to be like the the crew guy, isn't he? Or th- yeah. That's certainly how he's presented in later seasons and things, and how the first officer's always presented is like, you know, they they deal with the the person side of things to leave the captain yeah. to make the big decision. So yeah, Riker should have done something, but Picard at least has got his sensible head on, and he's like, "Right, let's let's be a bit better." And there is a briefing, and Barkley turns up a little bit late, but it's literally only a couple of seconds late this time, and you can see that sort of thing. Like Johnny's starting to get worried, like, "Oh, he's doing it again," and then he turns up. He's like, "Okay, let's go," and then we get. Barkley and his first counselling session, and of course, this turns out to be Holodeck as well, because I was going to say he seduces Troy, but not so much, really. Troy kind of seduces him, really, in in his Holodeck version, which we are getting into very iffy territory now. Like It's one thing programming Riker so you can beat him up, but... mm, you know, programming members of the crew so you can get off with them, I think is... I think that <laughs> crosses a line, shall we say. Yeah, I think it I think it crosses the line. It's Yes. So, much as I do like Barclay, I think it, it is difficult I, to ignore I actually stuff like imagine this. this happens quite often. 
I'm sorry. Like we see it in a we we see it in a DS9 episode, don't we? Oh yeah. Where um, somebody wants to buy a program of uh, Kira. Major Kira. Yeah, yeah. Of um, Quark in the holiday. But that's the thing. You'd imagine someone scummy like Quark, Quark doing it, but uh, it's, you would imagine Starfleet would be better than this. But then, having said that, <clears throat> and there is quite a bit of irony to this. Jordy gives him a bit of a lecture about it. He's like, hang on, you made Leah Brahms not too long yeah. ago, Jordy, and don't tell me you wouldn't have got down to business if that had uh, panned out differently. So, Well, well, he did have the programmes for some time, so exactly. he, he possibly did uh, get down to business. Exactly, so I'm not... Um, I don't think Jordy's quite the man to be lecturing Barkley completely no. on this one. And then... We've already had Picard sort of saying, don't do this, but it actually takes Data to be the one to go, that isn't nice, calling him by this nickname. So they're all calling him Broccoli yeah. again, and it, it's the android who goes, well, no, that that's not a nice thing to do. Yeah, why, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> and this leads to, they find that the glass has gone weird, and this is where we start to see the, the weird stuff come in. And because Geordie's got this thing now, I'm going to make Barkley the main guy. He's going to investigate it. And it's all... It is a very simple concept, basically, that what we're getting here is where you've got a character who has to prove himself, and by the end of the episode, he does. And he, he learns a bit along the way to integrate a little bit more, and the rest of the crew learns to be a little bit nicer to him. So... And a bit more understanding of how he is. Yeah. So, I mean, in, it is very basic in terms of what it's doing story-wise, but it's a very yeah. entertaining I do, I do like the conversation Picard has with Riker about him. Yeah. Because he came very highly recommended from Captain So-and-so, so-and-so. Yeah. And Riker goes, yeah, maybe too highly recommended, don't you think, trying to get rid of him? Yeah, now... Uh, Obviously not naming any names, but I'm sure we've all worked with someone who has come highly recommended, and then when they get there, you think, yep, that's because they were wanting rid of him. Um, Yeah, saying that. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I think we can all relate to this, definitely. Picard, though, does slip up and accidentally calls him broccoli at one point, and I love... Yeah, Data sort of tries to cover for him. It's oh, it's quite a common thing that you transpose the um, the vowel sounds and do the it. vowel and the vowel and the uh, consonant. Yeah, it's like good <laughs> effort, Data. But I don't think anybody's quite buying it. But well done for sticking up for your captain. Um, yeah, but Picard's only only got that because everyone's been calling him. Yeah, Rocky exactly. Stuck in his head. After he said it stops now, right at the beginning. So his entire senior staff have disobeyed his orders. There you go, exactly. And it's to the extent that it's stuck in his head and he started doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there should be a load of disciplinaries, but there we go. Um, And then Dinan gives Geordie a bit of a pep talk about she'd had a relative who was a bit strange and... So on and so forth. And that prompts Geordie to be a little bit more understanding with Barclay. And he he goes to the holodeck. Now, this is a thing that comes up time and time and time again. Is 
Do you not have privacy when you're on the holodeck? Can anybody just walk into your holodeck program? Yeah, it it, it seems very odd, does that? That people just walking into someone else's holodeck yeah. program. Unless like unless we've like Barker's meant to be on duty. Yeah. So George's be... gone looking for him. And he's in the holodeck. So George's maybe used the command override. Maybe, again. yeah. But it happens with alarming it, regularity. It, it, yeah, and especially like <laughs> when we saw in lower decks that they, they do use the holodecks to go have sex on. Yeah, exactly. And again, I think Barkley with his Troy as the goddess and everything, you know, that might have been where that were going if Geordi hadn't have interrupted. Yeah. And yeah, Geordi emphasises a little bit like, oh, you know, I fell in love on the holodeck and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so... You know, people in glass houses, Jordy. But um But then again, like Barclay is meant to be on duty at the time, true. so he's been caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's been naughty and he's doing it on company time, so yeah, he's definitely in the wrong. <laughs> and he does though admit to a bit of social anxiety at this point, and I feel like this is probably something that we'd explore a little bit more now if we were telling this story. Is, you know, we, so I think we do, compared to the mid to late 80s, I think we do have a better understanding of mental health and awareness of yeah, social anxiety it, like, and well, things it, like that. It was, a very so. eight, it was a very 80s thing, wasn't it? Like why the character of Troy came from putting yeah, a, yeah. a counselor on the bridge of the ship. Yeah. Like you wouldn't have dreamt of something like that in TOS. No, not at all. Yeah, it was almost a, almost kind of a yuppie thing, wasn't it? But I don't Yeah, yeah. I don't like think... it was sort of like the start of the of that trend that you yeah, it was have kind a counselor of... and and you go talk out your problems and like you have your psychiatrist and like for a long time, I got the impression, because of what you saw on TV, that pretty much the whole of America went to see a counsellor or a psychiatrist. Yes, yeah, you do get that impression. On a, on a weekly, stroke, monthly basis to talk things out. That yeah. Because that's what TV was telling us at the but time. But the thing is, even though we were seeing that on TV, it, we weren't exploring any of the issues in any depth. It was almost just like paying lip yeah. service to it. <laughs> and that is kind of what we get here. Um, but then Barclay has a proper counselling session, and obviously it's a contrast to his imagined one. He's very nervous, and he runs away from it and everything. And, yeah, we don't really get into kind of the nitty-gritty of it. I know the more we we meet Barclay, the more we find out about him and everything. Uh, and I imagine he's quite embarrassed to be talking to Troy because, you know, he has got a, a holodeck recreation of her. So, yeah, he's, I can yeah. see why he'd be a little bit trepidatious to actually speak to her. But go face her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, you want me to tell you about my holodecks? Well, yeah. in one of the programmes... <laughs> yeah, one of them pro- I've got this goddess. Um, we no one in particular, just... Mm. But then, <laughs> you know, sort of doctor, not doctor-patient confidentiality, but just general confidentiality, 
Troy goes and talks to Geordie about Barclay's counselling session on, in the middle of the bridge, just chatting away yeah. about it. It's like, surely you're not allowed to just go, oh, right, um, so what I'm going to do, Barclay, is go tell your boss. I know we didn't have the longest session. You didn't tell me very much, but I am going to go and tell your boss that you were nervous and you ran away. Like, no, I don't think that's how it's meant to work, Troy. No, no not it's, so good. Yeah, see, yeah. And like then, a light marina, but like I think she was very badly written she was. for and you a, know in a lot of Star Trek. We talked about this when uh Picard came out and she had them brilliant scenes with Sergi in that episode, and it's like, yeah. wow, that's what Councillor Troy should have been like. You know, that that was yeah. brilliant. <laughs> um but yeah, it's she isn't given the most doing and like you say it's not Marina Sirtis's fault not by a long shot no I, like I've, se- I've seen I've seen Marina in plays well in a play mm. and she's absolutely brilliant as an actress yeah so, she's oh, great let's 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 nail that straight down yeah there's no <laughs> but question but she was badly written for at times definitely in fact a, a lot in TNG a lot of the female characters were badly written definitely. for and, and underdeveloped yeah Troy particularly like without, you know, getting into the icky side of it, but she is molested by phenomena and aliens and you, far more often than you would expect. And it doesn't happen to yeah. anybody else, you know, so that's that's not good. Um, anyway, so Barclay's hiding in the holodeck again. So Riker and Troy and Geordie decide to go and bust in. And again, it's because he's skiving off work, so fair play to an extent. But then this is where... And we do get a little bit of a discussion on the holodeck here, which is interesting. Riker says there should be a regulation against making recreations of people you know, and I, I think that's... Bang on, yeah. I think he's, I think he's got a, a fair. I think he's got a fair point. Absolutely, like yeah, there should be. And why isn't there? Cause that that is ridiculous. That you can just make anybody you know and do whatever yeah, you like with it. it. It it's a funny one, isn't it? Because like when TNG starts and how it's played, yeah, the holodecks sort of made out. They talk about the holodeck as if it's a new piece of technology. Mm. Yeah, they do. And and all that. But sort of it's it's almost been retconned as we've gone further on that holodecks have been around Yeah. For ages. Even to the extent where in if there's an episode of the animated series that has a holodeck in it. Yeah, and Discovery's it's not a holodeck because you can't touch anything, but it's no. holographic. It's a holographic yeah, environment so... that you can interact on. So it's definitely a forum. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... <clears throat> but you're right, that first episode of TNG, it, it's like, oh, this is that new thing that we, we've we only just got. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, yeah, and like even like when we looked at the date with Sherlock Holmes episode, you had Dr. Plastic. It's amazing yeah, how realistic the characters are. We need are. to explain it to uh, you. Yeah. But, yeah. but now we, we accept... And it has almost been retconned, so... Yeah. How how it's playing out here, you could almost imagine, well, if it is quite new, maybe they haven't got all the regulations yeah. together, how it should be on the Federation ship. And start, again, maybe it's, it's assumed that if it's been used on a ship, it's been used for training, etc., etc. 
and you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. But the the fact is that they are. Um, yeah, I mean, in a in a, a capitalist society, and this is you know where Quark comes in with the hollow sweets and everything. It'd be the business. It'd be likeness rights. Like, right, let's let's yeah. sign up all these bands so that we can do holodeck recreations of their concerts. Let's let's sign up instead of a cameo with a celebrity. It's like, right, you can go on an adventure with Batman yeah. in the holodeck, but uh, you need you need the right sign from... up all these sports stars. You can go exactly. play the FA Cup final. Yeah. You can you can be on England squad where in nineteen sixty six, and you know, but we're we're gonna make sure. <coughs> that you pay royally for it. So, yeah, I can imagine all of that. Um, Troy, though, speaks out in defence of it, like, no, 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 let's not turn it off. Um, yeah, it could be traumatic to, to him. Yeah, like, mm, really? And then Riker turns up and he's very little, which, that's quite funny. Uh, I like that he's, yeah. you know, Riker's obviously the one that he feels most intimidated by because Riker's perceived as this alpha male and that was so brilliantly parodied <laughs> in Lower Decks. And, yeah, so, you know, Barclay's made him really small so he could uh, order him about and everything. And Troy <laughs> says, you know, it's funny, it's harmless, but when she sees herself as the goddess, she's not yeah. so impressed and now Riker thinks it's funny. So, you know, it's all... I, I enjoy all that the interaction and everything there. That is all good fun. Yeah, but like the reality <laughs> is that he's, he's made Riker small so he can talk back to him because yeah. he, he feels threatened. And he's put Troy there so he can have his way with her. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably I mean, slightly... Yeah, any sort of enjoyment that we derive from the episode and stuff does come with the big caveat that we are fully aware that this is extremely problematic, what Barclay's doing here. And I don't <laughs> think we really address that enough within the context of the episode, and I don't think you'd get away with something like this now. But that being said, it, all the actors play it very well, and it is played for humour, and it does pull it off. Um... You do get a mention of hollow addiction, though. This can be a real thing. Yeah. Which, that's interesting as well. Um, you know, Barkley is the kind of guy who would get hollow addicted. I mean, I imagine which, a which lot is, of people well, would it's, do. it's interesting that they came up with this hollow addiction back then, because, like, this is well before we had all our social media. But you have people now who are literally addicted to social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see people... And they walk down the street like that on the Facebook or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I'm not immune to it, like, particularly over the last year. I'm not but, immune to it. But I find myself just flicking through. I'm not even looking at it. I'm just flicking through my news feed almost like it's just a habit that I'm, I'm doing yeah. that. And I think, why, you know, why am I, I doing that? Like, I'm watching telly. I'm not even looking at my phone. But I'm just that used to check. It's so weird. But yeah, absolutely. If there was a holodeck, I'd be addicted to it. Of course I would. Why not? It's much more interesting. Then I do think we get some good sort of teamwork stuff. Like they do this kind of ideas session in engineering. And 
I quite like the engineer episodes when it's like, this is a problem that we've got to solve. Let's pool our resources, throw the ideas around and solve it. And obviously it is all a setup for Barkley to come through and save the day. But it's not a massive leap that it takes Barkley to go, well, hang on, maybe the connection is not the yeah. systems, maybe it's the people. Like, yeah, I don't... I don't yeah. usually... Yeah. Who's, who's been around all these systems? Well, an yeah. engineer. Like, usually... Could have picked up something. Usually when you're doing this story... It needs to be something that the, the character that we're trying to highlight, so in this case, Barclay, it needs to be something that only they could have solved, like only their skills or their insight yeah. to show how valuable they are to the team. But it just comes up with a pretty obvious hypothesis that turns out to be right. And, you know, it does have the effect and it, it, it clears everything up. And like we said, it... It ingratiates Barkley to the crew, the crew to Barkley, and everybody ends up a better person by the end of the episode. But it's it's not a huge leap for him to get there. And another thing that's weird, and this happens a lot in Star Trek, is they go, right, it's that guy from engineering. We need to go down to engineering to inspect the canisters. And at this point, it's like the ship's going to blow up in three minutes if we don't stop it. Next scene... You've got Geordie and Barkley walking fairly slowly down the corridor. It's yeah. like you should be running to engineering. You've got three running. minutes. <laughs> but no, we'll just have a nice leisurely stroll. And yeah, but they get it all sorted out. And then you get that bit at the end where Barkley's saying goodbye to everyone. And it's it's played as a bit of a bluff. It's like, is he going to transfer off the Enterprise? No, it's actually the holograms he's saying goodbye to. And... He deletes everything except program number nine, which is yeah. Like, did you notice? Like, the computer has it had its same um, pause there to it wait did, for him yeah, to pause and, and, and decide. Yeah, it knew we were gonna. It knew we were gonna come in with something else because it's yeah. 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 Now, what is program number nine? Is that the goddess about empathy? I think so. <laughs> I think that's that's just a little bit of sleaze at the end. We we drop in a little bit of grot just before we finish the episode. So yeah, <laughs> he's grown as a person, but he's keeping his favorite monkey program for himself. So <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, I think it's a good introduction to Barkley, and he is a an interesting character. And we're going to look at his second appearance next time, aren't we? We're going to go with Cupid. Not Cupid, the nth degree. Oh, Cupid's the next nth degree. You know why that is? That's because I had him on the same VHS. So they always stick in my head, them two together. Uh, We'll look at the nth degree next week. But um, let's switch over to DS9 then. And we're still in season one. And we're looking at Vortex this time. Which is... Yeah, we we decided to let you all off from there, come along home. Yeah, move along home. We've decided, even though it's got people from the Gamma Quadrant, it's got nothing to do with the Dominion War. So we can spare you that one. But this one, I think there's enough in this one that justifies us including it in a Dominion War rundown. I think there's quite a lot in this one. When you watch it back, yeah, like you say, there's a lot that is still consistent with what we find out later on. 
which I don't yeah. know whether it's forward planning or whether it was just a bit of luck, but yeah, there's a surprising amount of this holds up. Um, yeah, to say like at this point, um, they still wanted to keep it episodic and yeah. didn't want to do big story acts. So, and another thing that's worth saying is, I know we're very much cherry picking episodes from DS9's first season here, but. We've looked at Captive Pursuit, and this week we're looking at Vortex, neither of which are the greatest episodes of Star Trek ever made. But if you hold these up against season one of TNG, this is streets ahead of where TNG was at that <laughs> yeah, time. It is. And people yeah. people say about DS9, they say, oh, it didn't get good until season three, or some people even say season four. It's like, it didn't get as good as it was going to get. But there's nothing wrong I, with I some think, of these episodes. I think D, I think DS9 suffers with people saying that when we look back at it because it got so good. Yeah, I think that's the case because... That, it, it got so good that it's very easy to look back at the early episodes and go, oh, yeah. it's only... And there are... It hasn't got this or this involved in it. There are a but, couple of clunkers. Like, I'm not going to claim every episode of the first season of DS9's magic, because it's not. There's some... There is some garbage yeah. in there. But if you if you take these two we've looked at, Captive Pursuit and Vortex, as middle-of-the-road first season DS9 episodes, they could happily sit with middle-of-the-road any season TNG episodes. Yeah. And there'd be no issue. But anyway, so... Yeah, like I say, I, I think DS9 was strong from the start. I do. And like I say, it suffers when we all look back at it because DS9 was so bloody good at the yeah, end. Yeah, oh, it, it was... got so much better than this, but there's no wrong with this. Is <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Odo's... We start off with Odo and Quark, and you can tell we're only 11 episodes in, but everybody's settling a little bit into the roles now. And Odo and Quark are a bit of banter about the Miradon Raider and Quark's playing innocent and everything. And we get introduced to Croden, who's going to be the main guest star this episode. And he says, oh, the Quack says the Klingons brought him back from the Gamma Quadrant. Now, that's a story you'd want to see. Like, first of all, yeah. you know, what were the Klingons doing in the Gamma Quadrant? I know they're at peace with the Federation at this point, but what do Klingons have science missions that they go on, or were they looking for a planet to conquer? Well, or? well it's, it, it's often said, in it, like, I think you've got to look at the Klingons, and I know we don't see it often, mm. see really anything of it, <laughs> but I imagine the Klingons are a bit of a caste system, you know, a bit yeah, like yeah. the Mambari yeah. in um, Babylon 5. Yeah. So, But we normally only see the warrior cast. Yeah, I think they do. We see Enterprise they, where they touch on like that got briefly. The, yeah, but, yeah, it tried to, and I think that's how it'd have to be, because... You need your science. You need your scientists and your engineers to build the bloody ships that they have. Oh yeah, exactly. That they've gone out and conquered with. So I hope though like, that even in even in these other fields, I hope that it's still all about glory. Like you know, it's like you know the glory of discovering the vaccine and things like oh, that. You, I, 
Yeah, I, I have no. I, I imagine there is all that sort of thing, but <clears throat> I, I think that you have to have like a warrior. I think it has to be a yeah. caste system to to operate. Does the does the Klingon? You're right. To have yeah. like the warriors out there, like how they are, you have. To, there has to be something else. Yeah, Klingon doctors. Like, there is no glory in prescribing paracetamol for a headache. <laughs> and, yeah, your engineers, like, there is no glory in simply using a wheel. I don't know, it'd be interesting. Yeah. The, there's a sitcom in that somewhere. That Now that we're branching out <laughs> in Star Trek, let's have, let's have Klingons who do other jobs, like Klingon traffic wardens and things. Yeah, but it is it's it's something that like you say, they touched on it in Enterprise, but it's something that's Yeah, we've never not really explored been explored that. You're properly. right. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um so Quark, and th- this is talking about how stuff actually manages to tie in. We get a joking offhand comment by Quark that he says to try and wind Odo up where he says you're too paranoid. Maybe all shapeshifters are paranoid, and that's why nobody's ever seen them, because they're all hiding. And <laughs> in a couple of seasons, we find out that is exactly the case, that they are all hiding. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not totally because they're paranoid. They're, you know, they're secretly pulling the strings, but he's not a million miles away with that. So well done, Quark. And I like that he sees that Odo He's sort of... Talks to Rom and then he looks back and just goes at <laughs> him, which I think is really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, can't you go go somewhere else instead of pestering my customers yeah. all the time? And buy uh, buy a drink, buy something to eat, go spend some money on the tables. Yeah, exactly. And if not, get out of here instead of harassing my customers. No, that's it. Which I think for uh, like I think Quark has a has a valid point. If it wasn't for the fact that Quark's so bloody crooked, he needs all those well, that's there it. all the time it, watching that, him. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like, yeah, he could claim that it's harassment, but he usually is up to something, so it's not unreasonable harassment. Well, um, he's massively up to something here, isn't he? Oh, he is. This is, yeah, this is one of his, his dodgier dealings. And, yeah, Odo hides as a glass on the thing and... Quark ends up telling Rom off like five glasses for four people like you didn't notice there was an extra glass because <laughs> they're still playing on that thing that Rom's a bit stupid. Um, and then Croden bursts in and he kills one of these two Mirrodon twins and Odo says we're going to arrest everybody and Quark's like yeah, yeah arrest them and no everybody. So Quark gets nicked for not the last time in the series. And <clears throat> it's kind of a B-plot, really, isn't it, with the Mirrodon? But we find out that when you've got twins of that species, they're, they're really intrinsically linked. And if one of them dies, yeah. the other one goes on a blood feud, effectively, and they've got to avenge it. And um, that's going to set up, obviously, them coming after Croden later in the episode. And Quark manages to blag his way out with Cisco, which is pretty cool, where he says, well, Odo was eavesdropping, and he'll see that I was concerned it was stolen as well. And he is telling the truth. <laughs> he was. So, yeah. You know, yeah. He asked him for proof of ownership. He did. So, yeah, he's, he's not wrong there. 
I mean, as it turns out, he did arrange for someone to come and rob them, but, you know... Yeah, yeah, he had arranged for Krodos to, to, like, come and rob it, but he wasn't yeah. meant to shoot one of them. Exactly. <laughs> so he's not totally bad on this one, and he's, he's covered his bases by asking if it were nicked. So, well done, Quark. Not too bad. Um, they decide they're going to put Croden on trial, so they need to find out what where his home planet is, and... We start getting this stuff about how now I find I I find this really strange because like they decided that they're gonna try him for murder, and then they decide oh we need to find his own planet, so they go find his own planet. Tell him that tell them that he's committed murder and they're gonna mm. try him and they won't turn him over. So why go find his own planet? Well, they do. What have they accomplished? They do decide to turn him over, though, don't they? It, it, I don't think they yeah. were going to. I think they were hoping that the the people on the planet would say, oh, "Okay, you do whatever you want with him." But uh, I think it's because they say, "Like we don't want anything to do with the Alpha Quadrant," and I know this is way before they planned out the whole Dominion thing, but. It does make you wonder if this planet is a Dominion planet and so it's like, no, we well, don't want anything to do with anything else because the Dominion will kill us if we've got something to do with it. I, well, I, personally, I think I think that it's fairly safe to assume that every planet in the Gamma Quadrant, even if they're not seeing the, the Dominion on a regular basis... Yeah. The, the Dominion rules over them. I've, I've, it's like, I think the Dominion has it sorted that the overlords. Yeah. And yeah, you can go about and you can trade with your neighbours if you want to. Yeah. And that, but you do it within this framework. Yeah. And you'll never see us. If you break out of this framework, yeah. we'll come yeah. down yeah. on You've you. You've got to pay your levies <laughs> or whatever, or send us your yeah. produce or whatever it is. But yeah. So it's again, it's a nice little detail, and it fits, and there's nothing to contradict it. So I can happily think that this is a a Dominion world, and that's why they're so reluctant to engage with the Federation. Back on the station, then we've got Croden starts talking, and this is the first time we have the word changeling spoken in DS Nine, and. Again, the things that he says do fit in, like he says, they're really harsh with the judgments, which yeah. we we discover that very quickly when we actually meet the changelings. So Well well he does say he does say like we hear lots from him, but he does say that at the end like okay, he's talking about myths, but his planet tells these stories. Yeah, exactly. That they do remember the changelings bit the changelings have been there. And that fits with the timeline that the changelings did disappear. So they were driven off other worlds and, you know, yeah. they, they went underground and they built up and took over and that was sort of the ultimate revenge was that they were the persecuted and now they control everything. So all of this fits in perfectly with what we find out about them later on. And there's a nice scene um, with... <coughs> with Odo and Quark, where Odo reveals that Morn's told him something, and Quark says, well, Morn should learn to keep his big mouth shut, which is... Yeah. I mean, this is very early in the run of the series, but they'd obviously already decided that this was going to be a running joke, that Morn, yeah, apparently... Yeah, Morn, Morn never talked... 
you never see Ron talk, but everyone talks about yeah, how um, he never shuts he up. He never shuts up, ever. <laughs> he talk the ear off or whatever. So, But again, seeing that, this is less than half, well, just over halfway, sorry, through the first season. And you're getting a joke that's going to recur and recur over the whole rest of the show. So, yeah. again, this goes back to people need to give DS9's early days more credit because that's a little detail that, you know, I don't think there's anything like that in TNG, in, in Voyager. So Yeah, they're, 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 they're developing characters. Yeah. Very, very early on. Yeah. I was watching an interesting one with uh, with um, Colmini in an interview, and he was talking about his uniform, how he's got much baggier sleeves than anyone else. Right. And, that was, and he literally said, well, if I'm an engineer, I should be a, a rolled-up sleeve. Yeah. I want to be a rolled-up sleeves engineer. So they give him baggier sleeves, so he could roll his sleeves right up. And that's why when Geordi had to borrow his um, uniform for generations, it's really big on LeVar Burton. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Odo's questioning Quark about Croden and everything like that, and eventually we get... He talks a bit more about the changeling. So he says they used to be on our planet, but we drove them out. And again, absolutely spot on. That's what we find yeah. out later on. But it's also it's also playing on order, isn't it? Because order is order is of a suspicious nature, and he is sort of going, yeah. The ch-, and he goes, you just like all the other changelings, suspicious. Oh, and he's looking at yeah. Odo's traits, and he's playing. He's playing he's definitely. Yeah, he's definitely blagging him, but. It does, it does seem like he's talking from some experience of these myths, yeah. and that these myths are obviously based on the real, real changelings, if you like. And then he gives him this amulet, which has got basically it's like a shape shifty key in it. And yeah, it. it- <laughs> Yeah, it's like a piece of a changeling almost. Almost, yeah. And this is something, this never comes back. You know, spoiler alert, we never see this amulet again, which I think is a shame. Like, I would have liked it if going forward from here, Odo just wore this amulet. Just each episode, you know, Odo's just got it around his neck. It becomes a thing that he wears. And I don't see... Yeah, like, well, we we have the episode, don't we? I can't remember what it's called where he gets the baby changeling. Yeah. And you could have almost had it that. You could have had that episode, and you you could have had, like you say, him walking around with this amulet mm. for years, literally on the show, and no one... And it become literally something that he's got on, but you don't really yeah. notice it because he just wears it. And then suddenly it's a baby changeling. Yeah, <laughs> something like that... I, I don't see why we didn't go back to this and just just tie it in, just have a little scene where one of the founders says, oh, that's such and such, you know, explains what this is, what its function yeah. is. Um, but, you know, never mind. You know, you, we can we can forgive them a drop stitch in the, the overall tapestry <laughs> of it, but I do think it's a shame. Um so Croden's giving him all this about there's a vortex, and in the vortex, that's where the changelings live. And Odo has to take him back, but they've got to sneak past the Mirrodon. And 
this is a little bit silly because the runabout just flies up and flies alongside the other ship and it's like, but we see DS9 scanners and they've got two separate dots. So wouldn't the Mirador yeah. scanners also have two separate dots? Like, that only works if well, the guy's looking out the window, you know? It's... Yeah, if you've only, if you've only got... Um... In line of sight sensors. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, maybe the Mirrodon only do have line of sight sensors, or maybe the twin. Maybe, maybe he's able to able to move in, and he's able to mask his. Yeah, but then it won't show to up mask as two... his, uh, stuff as being part of the other ship. But then it won't it won't show up as two dots on DS Nine sensor then. But maybe their sensors are better than the Mirrodon sensor, or whatever. But it's a, yeah, it's a it's a bit silly. It's a bit silly. Anyway, so we find out a bit more about um, Croden that he basically was a political dissident by the sound of it, and they decided he were guilty. They came for him. They came for his family, and that's when he escaped. That's why he's wanted. He killed one of the guards. So he's one of these guys. He's done bad things, but presumably for justifiable reasons. I mean, we don't, we don't know well, a lot. We never, we never, we never look at what the political. No, I'm going to say like, it, planet it, is. Could so, be, it could like, be, it could be It's a political dis- dissident, but it might be just a dangerous terrorist. It could be. And for it all could, we know. Yeah. It could be that this planet is the greatest utopia that's ever existed. And the politics are wonderful. And he's a dissident because he's going around saying we should kill everybody. So it could be like, yeah, he could be like the Hitler yeah. of this planet for all we know. Yeah, it, um, it's never looked at. It's just looked at. But oh, he's a dissident. Oh well, we better protect him. But well, he, he seems oh. he seems okayish, and I do like the performance of the the guy who plays him. Like he plays it with enough <coughs> enough sort of charm to get away with the the rougher edges of it, and. He plays it with enough of an air of mystery and everything. I think he, he's good. He's good. He gets the job done. Um, so when they get there, then, the Mirrodon turn up and they attack and Odo has to free Croden and the only way to get away from them is to go into the Vortex, which is where Croden wanted to go anyway. Um, yeah. And they manage to get down on the planet and it turns out that there's no changelings. It's all been a blag. What it actually is, is his daughter's in stasis, and the only way he can open the stasis chamber is with this key, because it morphs it morphs into the uh, the lock. Into the shape of the lock. Yeah, which is, is fine. I mean, you'd think that you'd want to keep something like that if you're on the run, so that's a pretty handy tool. Presumably it works... It works pretty much everywhere, but... Well, it'll work on any physical lock, but... Like we see a lot of the locks in Star Trek are actually true with electronics true. and and also and all what, that. So what if it decides not to change back? It could just be a one use, one use only thing. Yeah. Like you put it in, it mo- it molds to the shape. You turn it, and then it won't come out again because it's anyway. <laughs> so it's doing it all for his daughter. Now Odo gets knocked out in a. A cave, cave in. This goes against what we find out later on because he should have turned back into a puddle, shouldn't he, when he got knocked out? Yeah. From everything else we know later on. Um. 
so I'm sure. And I'm... well, we've seen being hit by blunt objects, don't we? As well, in the sort of past room, because it goes yeah. through like it's liquid, and it never knocks him so out. So why did why didn't the rock? Yeah, um... why didn't he? And yeah, like if he becomes unconscious, he should turn into a liquid. He doesn't just get. Yeah, no, knocked out, and because Oda doesn't sleep like we do, and you know when you're knocked out, it's usually lack of you know lack of oxygen to the brain, or you you know your brain temporarily. But Oda's yeah. not got a brain, so it doesn't. Yeah, anywhere. I think it's one of them things early on that they've not decided yet that it turns into yeah. a liquid, and that's the only way, which is fair enough. You know, you've yes, it's a big plot hole, continuity error, whatever. But it's early days, and you know you just got to live with it. It's it, they messed up. They messed up. But it does mean that Croden gets to go back to the runabout. He saved Odo. Odo realizes he's not such a bad guy. But they have to deal with the Miradon, and Odo does something here. Which is very, very similar to what Riker does in Insurrection. You know, when he does the Riker manoeuvre with his joystick. Yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. Like, Riker gets him to shoot at the gas and the gas blows up and destroys the ships. Yeah. I mean, Riker does it with the ram scoop. That's the extra bit. But yeah, it fills up the ram, it fills up the ram scoops and he and has then a... He, he blasts it, it back. Commodore Amiga joystick. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, you know, Odo pretty much does the same thing here. Uh, so maybe they should call it the Odo Manoeuvre, but there you go. There you go. He obviously didn't... It'll be because... He well, he wasn't part... Odo isn't part of Starfleet, And he won't put it in his report because he lets Croden go. So he's he's fudged yeah. the report anyway. So there you go, Odo. Riker could have said, give me manual. I need to do the Odo Manoeuvre. But... Because you fudged the report, because you let the people go, you're not going to get your name on it. And we get a, a little cameo from the Vulcans. So the Vulcans are out in the, the Gamma Quadrant as well. And he decides to send these two off with the Vulcans. Yeah, it, it's like... We've seen... Like... We've had a move along home and they sort of come through on mm. a visit and that's just a weird episode. Yeah. Then they go back. But in Captive Pursuit, they made it quite clear they didn't want to see no, anything to do with the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. Both species, they didn't really want anything to do with the Alpha yeah, Quadrant. Yeah, it was an accident. Them getting in this that. episode, Cordos's um, people make it very clear they have no interest in the Alpha Quadrant and it's true. They don't want to know anything about them. And then you've got the Alpha Quadrant... Everyone's shooting through to the Gamma yeah, Quadrant. The it's no to... wonder. It's no wonder what ended up happening. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. They're basically sending an invasion force through. Yeah, well, it could certainly be if perceived you're looking at that from, way. From their po- their point of view. Yeah. What this worm? This wormhole has just appeared out of nowhere. And suddenly we have um, all these scout ships. Yeah, we've through. got it's, Vulcans. It's, we've got uh, Klingons. Sh- yeah, yeah, we've it's got very these. True. We've got these. Um, the ex- the the surveying everywhere. Yeah. So what they're checking for? Weak points, weapons. Yeah. And I know it's <laughs> it comes a little bit later, and we'll uh, you know we will talk about it. But 
the Bajorans start building a colony on one of the the planets. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, yeah, anyway, it's like early on you can already see why we reach a Dominion War. Yeah, You've already got definitely. But if you're if you're the Dominion and you've made no they've made no aggressive moves whatsoever. No. In captive pursuit, when something happens, they go. We will make it that you can that um, it's out of bounds. during this uh, chase that we do. You can't use the anomaly anymore to come to the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> yeah, and you are yeah you had we your guys. We will keep ourselves to ourselves. You had your guys who wanted to play games, but you know technically they kind of kidnapped people, but they didn't mean it. So yeah. it's all right. Yeah, it's. I mean, we'll we'll cover this more as we go through, but. There's definitely a case to be made that the the federations bring this on themselves, but we'll get there. Uh, so it ends up, Croden gives Odo the necklace, which, as we've discussed, we never see again. And there's yeah. a nice bit where the girl says, are you really a changeling? And he says, yeah, I suppose I am. So it's the, it's the first piece of the puzzle for Odo. He, he's got yeah. a name to his species now. And, yeah, again, I think it's... It's a decent episode. It's not the best DS9. It, you know, it wouldn't trouble my top ten DS9 episodes. But for a season, no, for a season one episode, it's a pretty decent episode. A season episode. one and an introduction to the. Uh, this is sort of like the first introduction to what the Dominion's going to be. Yeah, and um, yeah, like the captive pursuit. We never see them again. But we we explained. We think they're. We think they're going to be the Jemadar, yeah. etc. They're definitely related in some way, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, we're getting lots of background that when we do find out about the Changelings, you can look back on this episode and go, yep, there was a lot of it already there. So Yeah, they, did the, <coughs> the, they give us the first few seeds here. Yeah. So, well done, writers. Um, but that is the last of season one that we're going to cover. Uh, so next week we're doing the nth degree from TNG, but the DS9, we're moving on to season two and we're looking at rules of acquisition, which is the first time we ever, we heard the word changeling first. We're going to hear the word dominion for the first time next week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can tweet us at RetrekPod. You can email us RetrekPod at gmail.com or you can come and join the Facebook group. And have a chat with us on there. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you thought of the Dominion War. And um, thanks for trekking with us this time. And we will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.